so namaste uh, my work is uh, about uh, rituals uh, and mantras uh, which was a work uh, done by fritz doll and uh, my idea is to compare with uh, some of the uh, position that he takes opposite to our view the vedic view and practitioner view and uh, let me summarize uh, in 15 minutes um, so the structure of my presentation i will give you in hand before i begin so first i would talk about uh, fritzstall itself and secondly i will come to his position on uh, rituals and mantras and what disagreements we do have based on our shastras and from the practitioner's viewpoint and how we can answer these gaps and then we'll come to the conclusion so uh, stall in fact the previous speaker talked about him he was one of the few scholars uh, in the early 1970s who directly or indirectly uh, challenged the dominant colonial narratives in the field of indology and he went on to study indic traditions and rituals with actually a very positive approach and he was then received very well and admired well back in india but no admirations can be passed at all levels here we have to look at it so uh, uh, i have to summarize some of the stall's position that seemed to disturb the uh, the indic narrative or the indic way of Uh, looking at the rituals so um stall identifies some of the paradoxes relevant in understanding the rituals which are not the differences between the various school of thought but certain inconsistencies that he claims within the general understanding of the ritual itself we will discuss about that so uh, in general ritual is understood as a symbolic activity or a, or, or perhaps an enactment of a myth or something else but uh, do we think about such symbolic meanings or we, or we rather are we concerned about such things or are we rather concerned about the rules while performing the ritual similarly are we concerned about the desires that we have in mind while we doing while we are doing the rituals or are we only focused about the rules that we are performing he identifies that there are no common answers or no common reasons for performing the rituals rather there are general reasons which are different from individual to individual some of them do it without any desire nishkama way and understanding it as their sadharma and some people do the same ritual for palaprapti and as an act of symbolism etc so he says this inconsistency is because there is no such reason to perform it at all so uh, the only common thing in ritual in his understanding is nothing but the rules the rules and rules alone not even the meaning so uh, there are two main arguments that he makes out of this as rituals as a pure activity rules are the only thing that makes distinct rituals from an ordinary activity he postulates rituals in its original form that is in in its origin were a desireless action a meaningless action like a empty jar he says all the symbolism sankalpa and the implications were added up later these additions would have helped in the existence of uh, these rituals but ritual in its original form had nothing but uh, these rules so uh, so this was to build the argument that rituals are rules without meaning so with regard to desire will will take on this first with regard to desire he quotes an agnihotra him as an example where the priest uh, or the yajamana uh, uh, says agniye idam nama while while he does the obligation to the dravya to the fire uh, 
so here star claims so agni idam nama means this is for agni and not for me so here star claims that yajamana is renouncing the phala of the ritual while performing the action itself so renouncement of a phala or the renouncement of desire is there in the ritual as a rule this is claim this position this is not my position so uh, we'll come to this we'll address this later so moving further he makes another claim uh, that um, rituals are as meaningless so for this he identifies certain similarities between the rule of syntax or the rule of language with the rule of mantras or the rule of rituals so we, we don't have any disagreement over here i mean um, perfectly fine so there could be those similarities but he uh, further moves to argue that uh, the emergence of such semiotic system of language is from the rituals and thus rituals are older than the human language itself ritual i mean human language are developed from the rules of ritual is his claim so to illustrate this illustrate this stall identifies the similarities between the way the syntax of vedic rituals and language so here is particular about the vedic rituals alone not the general ritual that we see agni shayana or adhyatram this is case study so according to him the language or mantra that is used in the ritual is initially meaningless language took birth with such empty structured sounds on which meanings were attributed later language is bound to meanings so that it will change with time but whereas vedic mantras which are orally transmitted remained unchanged because of the exactitude that we rested upon on the sonic rhythm over the meaning and many of even many of us are not considered about concerned about the meanings while we are uh, chanting so uh, this is his claim so uh, there could be a lot of agreement and disagreement from the practitioner side or from the shastra side uh, on his uh, scholarly work so uh, for the convenience of presenting uh, in 15 minutes uh, i have separated this argument into two one is uh, the desirelessness of ritual and the meaningless part of the ritual so uh, as we we'll go uh, rohit if i can uh, rohit um, rohit uh, Rohit, uh, yeah. sorry. I mean, if I can gently sort of interrupt. Uh, on uh, Nagarajji had advised that uh, you know we keep the presentation to ten minutes so that we can have about five minutes for a couple of uh, Q and A's from your uh, friends, right? So I, I would request mm-hmm. you to sort of keep that ten minute uh, this thing in mind rather than fifteen minutes, so that we can accommodate one or two questions, okay. especially because as we are running a little uh, late. So if we can sort of move forward to your conclusions, it will be good. that will give people a chance to you know absorb your findings okay um so uh, the will come to the desirelessness aspect he identify that uh, rituals as a desireless act is quite i mean this is my question that uh, is quite acceptable among the practitioners of advaita but the real problem appears when stall mentions the ritual in their original form does not have any desire even the advaitins the for them the ability to perform an action without desire is subjective to an individual spiritual evolution so for them it is the individual who approaches the ritual with or without desire and rituals do contain a space for one to satisfy his or her karma in a dharmic way so desireful or desirelessness is in the attitude of the person but cannot be defined as the feature of the ritual itself 
So there is a, also a problem lies in the example that Stoll gives, which uh, I may not have the time to explain that. The Agniyadam Namama example is wrong, which he gives, and uh, I have a claim, and uh, uh, in, in, in the questions I may can take it up. So uh, going to the uh, meaningless, meaninglessness aspect, uh, the indivisibility of sound and mantras, I mean, the indivisibility of sound and meaning is very unique to Sanskrit. So when Stoll says that mantras were, I mean, the actions pre-existed the mantras, that is, the rituals pre-existed the language or the mantras is supposedly a wrong conclusion to make when we have that experiential uh, uh, way of knowing the mantras. So, in order to conclude, uh, for, uh, here we have, uh, oh, okay, so one more point I have to make is, many of us stand without keeping the meanings of this uh, mantra. And uh, so, in that way, it is meaningless, but not valueless for us. When a practitioner does the chanting without being aware of its word meaning, the, it becomes meaningful when the sadhaka takes sankalpa or when she receives an inner experience of chanting the mantras. So, uh, my conclusion to this is, uh, we, we certainly so see an aspect of desirelessness and meaninglessness in the ritual. But from a practitioner's point, none of this doesn't make an absolute feature of the ritual itself, as Tal claims that they are meaningless. So Hinduism in general is filled with its unique ability to carry on such subtle distinctions. It may be felt as paradoxes to an outsider, but for practitioners, they are, they, they are definitely not. So Tal being a part of the Western scholarship, let's keep it impersonal, Western scholarship and Western scholar. The previous verse mounted upon him perhaps made him to think this way. And even though he never had such in, imperial in, intention, he had to bring such conclusions. So, so this is where I wanted to conclude upon. Okay, the thank you, Rohit.